Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. another episode of piecing it together the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it and today on the show we have got a lively one for you guys we are talking about jay and silent bob reboot from kevin smith of course we all love jay and silent bob back in the day and it's been a while since we've had them in a movie and they're back and uh this has been a interesting release because it came out just with a couple of a uh, fathom events screenings and now kevin smith is taking it on a road show across the country instead of a regular release or going straight to vod or anything like that it's just coming to one city at a time and i'm not sure as i'm recording this uh, where it is in the process of release. But wherever it is, I would definitely say go check it out because um, especially if you were a fan of the old Viewisk universe from Kevin Smith, uh, it's definitely something worth watching, even if the results are a little on the mixed side. Uh, but with me today, we've got two co-hosts. We've got Joe Black and we've got Adam Wells. The two of them had previously joined me on the Three from Hell episode, and we decided to do it again, and uh, we had a great time talking about this one. So I hope you enjoy it. I want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on social media at PiecingPod, and join the Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. Well, we got a long one coming up, so let's just jump right into it. This is Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. All right, uh, we weren't expecting to have these guys back so soon, but uh, with us again today, we've got Joe Black and Adam Wells. How's it going, guys? Uh, it's going good. Going good. Glad to be back so soon. Snoochie boochies. Glad to be back. <laughs> I, I like that you're in the spirit already. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we what are, of course, <laughs> we're, of course, talking about Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Um, I, I think we should, uh, you know, kick this thing off by, first of all, we should actually, I think, say straight up at the top, who liked it, who didn't like it? Let's, let's, let's get that out of the way as we're getting into this conversation. Let's start off with you, Adam, because it sounds like you liked it a lot. I, I enjoyed it. I guess, uh, you know, it had been a while and in, since I'd actually listened to some good uh, Kevin Smith pop culture dialogue, mm. I mean the story itself. Yeah, it's stupid, like the mm. like the first one. But I kind of like the second half of the movie a lot. It just had a lot of heart to it. Uh, something that we hadn't get we hadn't gotten from Kevin Smith in a while. And uh, I really, I just really enjoyed it. I really sure. enjoyed all the characters and uh, all the throwbacks to the um, 
to the previous movies. A lot of throwbacks in there. Uh, what about you, uh, Joe? I did not care for it, no. All right. No, I, uh, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. Dogma is the movie that made me uh, realize I wanted to be a filmmaker. Um, I've followed that man's journey for more than 20 years at this point. You know, he's basically made three movies now that are just about how much he loves his kid. And uh, so far, the first one was the best, Jersey Girl. <laughs> um, I agree. Jersey Girl is a great movie. And for all you haters out there, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez, they're gone. They're over with. Get get over the hate. Yeah. And, and I mean, one of my bucket list movies to see in my lifetime is the original two and a half hour cut of that movie, um, which is what I told Kevin when I met him. Um, I. Uh, I, you know, yoga hosers was, um, more than offensively bad to me. It was, it was irresponsible and, 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 um, insulting to, uh, artists in my opinion. Like I, I would take it that far. This movie, I wouldn't take that far. I would just say that it, um, doesn't work and that mm -hmm. I could feel from minute one that his heart was in the sentiment, but, um, his heart was not in the filmmaking whatsoever. It's the only movie he's done that's poorly edited. It's it's so choppy that even halfway decent scenes are just killed by how poorly edited it is. It looks like garbage. Um, and I saw it in the double feature with Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. And that movie is so well directed that like it feels cohesive. It has a it creates a universe with its look it, and the score in that movie is really terrific. And this movie was just him wanting to tell his friends how much he loved him how much he loved them after he had his heart attack, which that's fine, but you can also do that and, and care about the craft. Right, right. No. And, and I, I fall somewhere in between the two of you guys. Uh, I did like it, uh, but I, you know, it really does show like how, just how simple, like the whole setup is and how like nothing there is to it. And there's certainly laughs to be had along the way. And I did also watch it with the uh, double feature. Adam, did you watch the double feature? I did not watch the double feature. I, I went for the poster, mm -hmm. not for any real reason other than I saw Jay and Silent Bob in the theaters when it came out. While I thought it was funny then, I think this pretty much the same way as you guys feel about this one. It's, stupid with no purpose i just right. thought the second half of this one had so much heart to it it mm -hmm. to me was better than the first jane silent bob movie not Whoa. one of his better movies <laughs> not one of his better movies in general but better than jane silent bob strike back because i just never liked i never really thought that was that good of a movie Say, saying that made me clutch my heart like an old Southern woman. I was like, oh, my Lord. <laughs> like, because <laughs> uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is so well made. And especially, I mean, I've seen it 600,000 times. And uh, um, I've actually seen it on the big screen just a couple months ago. But, but uh, seeing it every time I see it, I mean, it's just so well made. Like, it's just so well timed. And even though it is full of all these little throwbacks and references to his earlier work, it just moves at this breakneck pace and all of it builds to something and it feels cohesive this movie just feels like you know clunk 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 um with i did i did love jay and silent bob strike back myself i actually i i think i've told this before but i that's the only movie i've ever watched twice in the theater in one day um on opening day we went two times in a row and i loved it both times that's and i think i saw it another i think i saw it another one or two times uh after that i mean i I'm kind of surprised by it because when I watch the first Jane Silent Bob movie, I just think of 
skit after skit after skit. And it just, what, what does it really lead to, you know, kind of like a second rate B Pee Wee's uh, big adventure, mm. uh, you know, and it's just, you know, joke on top of joke on top of joke. And, you know, this movie is no different. Um, the choppiness of the music video feel of the first one, I thought was just, it looked like his most rushed and kind of thrown together production. Nah, go back and watch it again. You should have watched the double feature. I promise it's not. <laughs> I liked, I like that this conversation is going to be coming from such completely different angles with, with, with our three opinions on this movie. And I think that's why it's a great thing that we're doing this one today. Um, you know, we're going to get into a lot of soul, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I know. No, no. I, I think he, <laughs> well, David, you said something really interesting. You said Jay and silent Bob strike back is the only movie you saw twice in the same day. And, um, uh, you know, I saw it a bunch of times in the theater when it came out. And, but when I had graduated, the year I graduated film school is the year that clerks two came out. And I had some really awful personal things happening that year. I was just really lost. It was a very painful time in my life. And, um, uh, I wasn't even going to go see Clerks 2 because it was uh, it was too painful to think about. It, it Hard to explain. But that morning that it came out, my father woke me up. And um, my father took me to see a movie basically every Friday my entire life. That's why I love film so much. And he, But he had not seen any of the Jay and Silent Bob movies with me. He didn't, didn't have any interest. But he woke me up that morning. He said, come on, we're going to go see that Clerks movie. He had taken the day off of work so that we could go see the first show of it together. Mm. And... Um, when I was watching it and they do the scene where they're rebuilding the quick, the quick stop with the Alanis Morissette, the, you know, you see everything, every part, you know, they rebuilt the quick stop. It, I, it, it just stirred such an emotion in me watching these two guys reject the, at the beginning of the movie, they reject the very thing that, that is their identity. And, and they spend the whole movie hating on it. And then finally they learn to not only embrace it, but then to take ownership of it and rebuild it in their image. And that message with that song playing, I just, I had the most violent, like, breakdown in the middle of the theater, just sobbing, crying. And at the end of the movie, my dad gave me a, a, a bunch of cash and he said, just stay. And I watched that movie five times that day. And <laughs> at the end of the last, uh, when I went to go see the last time, the manager at the theater was like, hey, how many times have you seen this? I said, five. She said, find me after the movie. And then uh, after the movie got out, I walked out and she had one of those giant canvas roll up posters of it. That rules, you know, and and that movie is nothing but like, you know, throwbacks and 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 has a lot of heart, as you say. But again, it's a real film, you know, and um, and so I know he has it in him. So this movie is just kind of unlike his last few movies. Well, I'm not saying he doesn't have it in him. And I'm not even putting this as one of his better movies. I'm just only putting it up against that one. Clerks 2, you know, even with my issues towards the end, I, I do love that movie. Uh, Dogma is probably my favorite. Yeah. Probably one of the smartest movies uh, on religion mm-hmm. with a couple of dick and fart jokes in there. Sure. Uh, Chasing Me, great, you know, two thirds of a movie. Eh. <laughs> I can't, I can't <laughs> jive with you there, but I love Tusk, so. i think tusk is actually right behind dogma as like his strongest directing like i think that that's yeah this is all over the place yeah so we should do some puzzle pieces (laughs) well well, i I meant our opinions but yeah we should get into uh some puzzle pieces why don't we uh why don't we jump to that Uh, adam what do you got for your first one i've already mentioned it the first time uh peewee's big adventure Mm mm-hmm you know, uh, not as much as maybe the first movie, but again, you know, just this road trip of just sketches upon sketches upon sketches. 
you know, it, it does eventually lead somewhere. Does it always make sense? No, but you know what? That's, that's the movie that I think of. It's just, you know, a sketch on top of a sketch on top of a sketch. That's a road, road trip movie. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's the road trip movie. It's the, the sketch movie. It's the anything goes kind of a movie, uh, you know, and of course, you know, it's very similar to uh, the last one to, to strike back. Uh, and so of course they both would probably have that same puzzle piece if, you know, if we were doing the show back then. I don't, I don't really agree that like Jane Silent Bob is just sketch, uh, strike back as sketch upon sketch upon sketch. This one for sure, 100%, I'm right there with you, but I don't think Jane Bob is like that. With the exception of the uh, going down on the nun at the beginning of their journey, everything that happens to them in that journey feeds into something else that then comes back full circle in the end to tell a complete story where the characters go from A to B. You know, like, I know I, I don't agree with that, but hmm. with this one for sure. All right. Well, uh, what do you have for your first one, Joe? Ah, yes. I have, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, <laughs> not only because it's, you know, like a, you know, journey of idiots, but, um, specifically the, uh, clan, the, the, the Ku Klux Klan centerpiece, um, <laughs> of this film, uh, really reminded me a lot of the centerpiece in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, where in this movie, like, it felt very, like, out of nowhere and thrown in and really just seemed like an excuse for him to cast Chris Jericho and to throw shit over onto a bunch of, uh, Klansmen. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I felt that like it acted as a nice centerpiece, you know, cause they saved the kids and then, you know, it, it actually felt like an actual plot point, much like an O brother art thou and O brother art thou exists as a, a way to kind of make fun of Klansmen too. It ends with a giant cross falling on him, you know, which I thought was more clever, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it definitely brought to mind, uh, that I mean, it brought to mind all the clan scenes that you see in movies, Django and Bad Boys. Too. Yeah, totally, Django as well. And what was the other clan. one? Uh, Harold and Kumar escape from Guantanamo Bay, <laughs> which also is just like a you know just another skit to throw in to make fun of the uh, white supremacist. And my father loves. Damn right, movies. they deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dad loves those movies, those Harold and Kumar movies. It's funny; I, they never really did anything for me, but my dad just thinks they're perfect. I, I like the sequels a lot. I but I do adore the first one. I just thought it was. Just brilliant. I feel like I remember the sequels more than the first one for some reason. Same. Um, Same but yeah, I should probably go back and watch those because they, they seem fun. I know, but think about the first uh, fast food sponsorship in an R-rated movie. It was White Castle. <laughs> I, I really... That's true. I love that they had the Christmas movie. Like, I like that that's what they did with the third one. I always thought that Jay and Silent Bob should do something like that. And I remember Kevin Smith when he was talking about what did Jay and Silent Bob do after Strike Back? And Jason Mewes was like, why don't they like, uh, it, well, uh, no, it was Harvey Weinstein who said, or something like that, who said they should go up against a horror villain like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. That like, they should do some kind of Jay and Silent Bob movie like that. And Jason Mewes was really pitching to have a Jay and Silent Bob meet Pinhead from Hellraiser <laughs> oh, movie. God. That would have been. I think that would be a great. That would be a great idea. But one of the no, where it would be really good is if they almost revived the um, the Clerks cartoon. Yes. And they kind of did that. And by the way, that was a show that should have t taken off. That was hell nice. yeah! It's the greatest show of all time. I swear to God. I, okay, I'm glad we're all on the same page with this because I I loved that show so much. All My I'm gonna say is Flintstones list. I know it's offensive, but it's hilarious. My brother and I, we, we communicate almost exclusively through Clerk's uh, cartoon uh, quotes. Like, that's kind of the only way we communicate. You know, that, that's actually one thing, uh, real quick, before I go into my next piece. Uh, when, when watching in the, um, 
the double feature watching Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, I forgot how many like quotes and little things that I say on a day to day basis mm-hmm. that came from that movie. I mean, it is incredibly quotable. It, that's true. I called my fiance Boo Boo Kitty Fuck the other night. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Well, uh, I will go into my first puzzle piece, which I'm just going to say right up front, I am cheating right now. I normally don't do this on the show, but I am going to use Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back as a puzzle piece because, I mean, let's be clear, uh, half of the scenes in this movie, he is on purpose going back and referencing or redoing scenes from the previous movie. And, uh, you know, mostly to, I thought, very funny effect, but um, it's completely inspired by the movie that came before it. Yeah, uh, I just I just don't think that anything he rehashed really worked for me from for this one. I I I really didn't like um, what they did with the justice character. Um, I one of the things I love so much about Clerks, too, is that he's wearing the justice hoodie at the end of it. You know what I mean? Like he hasn't forgotten about her. And uh, this movie kind of writes that off, you know, Um, I wanted to see her be a more integral part of the movie because I like that character so much. And I liked their dynamic. The Justice character, it does seem like they uh, they kind of like strangely picked up and dropped off in like a weird way that they kind of didn't know how to bring her back, but just wanted to bring her back somehow. It was either that or scheduling. I guess she couldn't be around long enough to be in the movie. Maybe. What else is she doing? <laughs> She's <laughs> actually true. become a professional poker player. Oh. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> good for her. <laughs> that that brings up a good question because maybe I missed something, and I, I was going to ask you guys: um, How would they have ever had sex? That wasn't in the last movie, right? Yeah, I was wondering that also because she goes to jail immediately, right? And she even says, you never called, you never came to see me or anything like that. Well, she comes and visits him when she's already been in jail. Like, at the end of the movie, like, she's in the jumpsuit with the cuffs, you know? And, and you right. can't actually so maybe, have... maybe they did it at the movie theater? The conjugal visits? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know when they would have had... When uh, Will Ferrell would have taken the cuffs off and been like, all right, you get three minutes in the bathroom. Three and a half for good behavior. <laughs> I just... That does seem like something that uh, that character would do. Yeah, where was Marshall, Will, and Holly? Come on now. That's a good he, question. He got too big for his britches. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen, where was well, Chris Rock and Chakaluka King? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I I thought for sure that's who the uh, director was going to end up being. No, it, it, you know, no, my, Kevin Smith wanted to be Tony Stark. Yeah, you yeah. know, my buddy. It's so funny. My buddy Vincent. He um, who you should have him on the show sometime. He's pretty incredible. Uh, he brought up that. Um, he was really excited to see Kevin Smith go back to doing the silent thing, you know, because he's been the big vocal whatever for so long. And then yet the whole third act of the movie, we just get big vocal, you know, arm waving Kevin Smith again. Oh, yeah, we do. Um, I <laughs> And I also thought Silent Bob was way overdone this time. Like, he's so perfect in like dogma and stuff like that. And this, he's just such a ham. It, it got annoying. I could uh, I can absolutely see that. I, I got to say, I. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to uh, shit on Kevin Smith or anything like that. Yeah. Like he, he's made some great movies, but it's like the the version of himself that he's playing when he's just Kevin Smith. I, I don't like that guy. Like you know, and I I don't know if that's what he's like in real life. I never listened to his uh, no. podcast, and I've never seen his shows. But he, I do not like that character. He's he playing. is a soft spoken, kind person who actually does more listening than talking. Um, 
I, that's I good got, to hear. Yeah, I got to work with him on a on a movie and a half. Um, and uh, he's I mean, he's a really good dude. It just uh, I, his interest is not in filmmaking anymore. And like, that's OK. It doesn't have to be. Just don't do them anymore. Sure. Then. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, clearly his interest is in podcasts. I mean, he even tells you in the movie. Ben Affleck mm-hmm. even reminds you how much he loves podcasts. Right. Yeah. I'm also just tired of hearing Kevin Smith. I know it's so funny because I'm not, you know, a fan of this movie, just shitting on himself. He always like shits on his movies. And um, I remember at the premiere for Mandy, he like was moderating the Q&A and he like made a crack at himself about being a terrible filmmaker. And I actually screamed from the audience, fucking stop. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, he, his film, you know, opened my eyes to what has been the path of the vast majority of my life. You know, and so for him to like shit on it, I mean, like, dude, I moved 3000 miles away from my family to come out here and make movies and you're shitting on the movie that made me do that. Fuck you. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> hate, 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 hate. <laughs> love, 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 love. See, it's the opposite. I love. Yes, that. that's how it should be. Well, Adam, what do you got for your uh, next one? Uh, since we're going with the theme of reboot self-referential, uh, Scream 4. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty much the same idea. It's acknowledging the previous events and acknowledging that it's doing things differently, that it is somewhat of a reboot and sequel, you know, playing off the original and winking at itself at the same time. Maybe not as, uh, you know, it doesn't break the fourth wall like Jane Silent Bob do, but very similar ideas. Sure. Absolutely. I I always forget about that movie. I always forget that it like happens and (laughs) it's It's a kind of clever idea. Yeah, I think it's really good. I think it's a reboot done right. Um, I will give credit to this movie, um, though, for being like the whole scene with Ben Affleck about what a reboot is. I was like, that's fucking great. Like, that's Mm -hmm. actually a very clear thing to say that makes a lot of sense. And like, maybe filmmakers can start to build off of that. Now, thank you, Kevin, for writing that. Now, if you'd only (laughs) edited the scene in a way that was coherent, we could have paid attention. <laughs> I actually do think that, that uh, Ben Affleck's moments were some of the best things in the movie. Easily. Especially uh, at the end. I may or may not have shed a tear. It was a little sad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but wait, we were forgetting to mention that Jay and Silent Bob are in one of the Scream films. They're in Scream 3. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They That's make a little right. cameo. I forgot all about that. Yeah. That's and I, Craven, I just don't remember uh, that whole series, I guess. And Wes Craven, of <laughs> course, was in uh, Jane Silent Bob uh, Strike Back. Yes. I think, I think that was the deal. You do my movie, I do yours. Very, very rarely <laughs> am I as in love with the character as I was with Parker Posey's character in Scream 3. I was so in love with her when I was a kid. I just, she's so good. <laughs> well, what do you got next, Joe? Uh, the next one I had was. Uh, Snake Eyes, hmm. uh, the De Palma Nicolas Cage film. Um, I, I was thinking of like how the end of this movie not only takes place at like a big event and the chaos of the big event is kind of like the whole structure of the third act, which is the same structure as Snake Eyes, you know, the boxing event, the assassination. So the chaos of like that kind of event with that kind of crowd creates the tension, right? Um, hmm. But also like Snake Eyes, I feel like the last minute plot twist with the fucking missiles and the hurricane come out of nowhere and are really poorly staged and stupid, much like what happens at the end of this movie when the uh, Asian girl turns out to be Russian. And for some reason, these people cosplayers are actually villains. And then for some reason, there's a silent Bob mechanical suit that functions. Yeah. 
Snake Eyes. <laughs> I actually have not seen Snake Eyes, but it sounds like it goes off the rails like this does. David, it's definitely your movie. You get to watch Nicolas Cage uh, go over the top as always. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's not to love about it? I when I saw that for the first time, I was the first half when it was halfway over. I went on Am I had rented it. I went on Amazon and I just bought it. And then by the end of the movie, I had canceled my order. <laughs> it is a good first half. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I feel like I need to see it. Uh, but I will go ahead with my next puzzle piece. Uh, and this one's probably, uh, you know, kind of an obvious, but uh, I was going to go with Deadpool um, because of just the nonstop inside jokes and making fun of itself and making fun of its own universe and uh, about movie making itself and in general and uh, the studios and just everything involved, which, of course, was stuff that he was already doing with the uh, the last Jay and Silent Bob movie. Um, but of course, now we're getting to a meta level where it's making fun of itself as a sequel of the previous thing and i mean it just goes completely into that direction just how meta the whole thing has gotten with this one i don't like the first deadpool i like the second one <laughs> yeah i could definitely see that uh yeah especially for the uh the breaking of the fourth wall jokes and just the you know uh, as kevin smith would say the dick and fart jokes <laughs> yeah yeah they fill it with lots of dick and fart jokes as well as like the movie making jokes and the 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 movie universe jokes and all that stuff. What was with the random Matt Damon cameo? Like all the others at the very least felt organic ish. You know what I mean? That one was just like, <laughs> here's Loki. Yeah, they had to get him in somehow, I guess. And they just really couldn't think of anything. Why? He's dead. He died. <laughs> well, he's explaining that he didn't die or he somehow got rewarded. Bullshit. None of it makes sense. <laughs> well, that, that, that... And, and where was God during all this? Where's Alanis Morissette, our Canadian God? Only referenced a million fucking times. My God. <laughs> I mean, she couldn't show up. I mean, she's not dating Ryan Reynolds anymore. That's true. That would have helped with that. What, what else she got to do? That would have helped with that Deadpool, Deadpool uh, puzzle piece for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. See, that's what this movie needed. It needed some Ryan, some random Ryan Reynolds showing up. And I think he would have fit quite well. Oh, yeah. If anything, uh, Clerks 2 is a better uh, Deadpool puzzle piece thing because uh, that song that she wrote that I was talking about in Clerks 2 is about Ryan Reynolds. Which song? What, what was the song? I haven't seen Clerks 2 since the theater. It's uh, called Everything. It's like, you see everything, you see every part, you see all my light, and you love my dark. It's a beautiful song. I think I remember that, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got me to good sing rendition, on the podcast. Joe. Fuck you. Yeah, good, good <laughs> rendition. I like it. That's going to become a single it's, pretty soon. It's beautiful. You bastards. <laughs> All right, what do you got next, Adam? Dumb and Dumber Two. Oh God. Exactly. <laughs> but there we you are go. Scraping the bottom right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Two morons on the road. Long lost daughter. Uh, I'm not going to say hilarity ensues because there was no hilarity in Dumb and Dumber 2. There was one really uh, brilliant joke when the when the cat farted out the feathers. That was really funny. You guys don't even remember that joke? <laughs> I actually spared myself and never watched it. I just I felt like it was going to be too depressing and I never went. I tried too hard, so hard to like it. Oh <laughs> god, it was, that was a rough experience. Just based off the uh, trailer, though, they also had the same thing of Jay and Silent Bob, where they look the same except for just older, which, of course, is how life works. But, I mean, it's just kind of weird to see, you know? You, 
you know, again, to bring up that buddy of mine, Vincent, the one who I was saying could be good on this podcast, he, um, one of the, one of the problems he had with Dumb and Dumber too, is that in the first Dumb and Dumber, they're in the real world. So them being dumb, like really is an, an offense to the world, which is funny. But in Dumb and Dumber 2, the whole world is dumb and cartoony, so they don't really stick out as much. Um, and that he he faulted the movie for that. Hmm. that They're also sense. really mean-spirited in the sequel. They're pretty mean-spirited in the first one, too. I mean, let's be fair. I feel like they're a little bit more ignorant. Like they don't really they're, understand yeah. what they're doing, whereas like they're really like kind of going out of their way to be assholes in the second one. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And also Vincent, uh, uh, he he said Austin Powers suffered from the same thing that like the first one's funny because he's in our world, but then it gets dumb. But I disagree because Goldmember to me is ah, gold. <laughs> yeah, people didn't like Goldmember. I liked Goldmember. I'm with you on that. <laughs> well, what do you got for your next one, Joe? Okay, so this is um, it's I don't know how this is gonna go necessarily. <laughs> um, but Creed, the Rocky wannabe. Okay, so sticking with the reboot. You know, obviously the reboot theme, uh, where Creed is, you know, just a reboot of Rocky, and then using the device that they talk about in the film in Jane Silent Bob, uh, reboot where they talk about like your children, like you know what I mean, like your kids are kind of a reboot of yourself, and then this whole movie's supposed to be like she, you know, Kevin Smith's daughter is kind of like the new Jay, you know, with a new Silent Bob, you know, um, taking the best parts of yourself and blah blah blah, um, but. Creed, much like Jay and Silent Bob's reboot, I think suffers from the fact that the kids suck. Like <laughs> I, like Creed. I know I'm in a minority on this because a lot of people really love that movie. I hated Creed, and it mm. wasn't because it was a bad movie. It's, it's. I mean, the filmmaking is fine, but that character sucks. He is a rich, privileged, spoiled brat who wants to beat up people, who gives up a good job, a great home, to go beat the shit out of people because of his sense of pride. And then he moves into a cool loft, immediately falls in love with a super hot DJ, um, and then gets a title shot just for being an asshole. And then when Rocky confesses to him that he has cancer, his response is, how could you do this to me? He's just a selfish piece of shit. You know? Um, and Rocky, the original Rocky, the beauty of Rocky is that he doesn't, want to fight he just can't do anything else like that's like the tragedy to rocky and like the, the character of adrian he sees beauty where other people didn't and he doesn't aspire to like for the world to know his name he just wants to provide a good life for her that's a real underdog and i hated creed because they were trying to get me to root for this creed kid and much like in jay and silent bob reboot jay kind of like what you were saying about dumb and dumber how in the original like dumb and dumber they're ignorant you know what i mean so like all the offenses that jay causes are usually like accidental and or with good intention toward his friends like he's trying to like mess up lafors to help brody or something like that but this one harley harley quinn she's just she's a bitch she's like mean and she's like needy and and violent and rude you know what i mean and it's like i don't like this character i don't so she's a millennial well <laughs> you know I, I mean, you know, it's I don't like to life. <laughs> I don't like to generalize in that way because I think that, you know, I, I but but like I, you know, you can tell that that girl was raised in Hollywood and that, you know, Jay was raised in New Jersey. That's for sure. That's a good point right there. And um, and and yeah, so like, I, you know, hey, I'm all for, you know, give it to the kid. That's a great idea. That's fine. That's fun. Like, yeah, I would, you know, yeah, a, a little a new mini Jay and Silent Bob, like 
female Jay and Zombie? Sure, but not these two. They suck. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think I think Joe just broke my soul. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved Creed as well, Adam. Um, but I, I do think you make a really good point, though, Joe. I, I really do, because especially because of how much I did not like uh, Kevin Smith's daughter in this movie. I, I just don't like the character at all. I, I don't like how mean she seems to be. It's like, how are you supposed to root for her in any way? Right. I was thinking a lot of, uh, you know, that Aladdin movie that just came out, the Guy Ritchie Ugh. one. Oh, and um, it w- yeah, it wasn't good. But one thing I liked about it was that Jasmine, you know, is is the way she's portrayed in the film is a woman trying to like, you know, claim her place and like who's been looked over who's you know what i mean like which is a very popular theme right now especially in movies but like she was a great character movie's not so good but she was a great character and i was like this is it's great this is a you can break through to a mainstream audience with this to people who you know who need to hear this message quote unquote this is accessible to them and then you got you jump to harley quinn and like it's just another like you know how is that really doing anything for women or for millennials, as you put it, when she's just such a knife? She's a knife wielding bitch. You know what I mean? Like anger is not appealing. But <laughs> No, but she's supposed to be, you know, that she's gone, what, 18 years with this missing piece in her life, um, you know, and she's lashed out at society and she's acting out because she never had that father figure. So the more that Jay has been in her life as the movie progresses, she calms down a bit. I don't see that as such a, a terrible character trait. And this is also a Kevin Smith movie. It's everything's exaggerated. Yeah, but I mean, Clerks was a Kevin Smith movie. Mallrats is a Kevin Smith movie. Um, Linda Fiorentino's character, for God's sake, and Dogma is a great fucking character because she's been abandoned by a husband because she couldn't bear his child. She feels abandoned by God. She's completely alone, too. She has nobody that she can turn to either. We don't, we don't hate Bethany because Bethany... Well, that's true, but at this but how are you going to compare the the character work in Dogma is some of Kevin Smith's best work, and, and it was we are talking script. about it. That's how I can compare. We're, we're talking thirty years down the line, and he's writing poorly now. Like that's not okay. But you're also talking about yeah, essentially a Cheech and Chong movie. That's what these Jay and Silent Bob uh, spinoff movies are. They're essentially just you know long winded pop culture Cheech and Chong movies. They're not really supposed to be taken that seriously. I, I think that's a disservice to what he evolved to as a filmmaker. Like, even if he started out like thinking that that's how his movies were with something like Mallrats, by the time you get to Clerks 2, the last View Askew film, you see real poignancy, real purpose. And he's utilizing the foundation that he built of, of you know, in his youth to like tell stories and to push into the future and to inspire us to move on into the future. And I'm sorry, but I don't see a regression as, a, as an okay thing. Like, I'm not saying this is regression. I'm just saying he knows what the audience is for Jane, Silent Bob. And no, this is not Clerks 2. It's not as smart as Clerks 2. It's not as interesting as Clerks 2. The character work is not as good. Uh, but the purposes of Jane, Silent Bob, Strike Back, and Jane, Silent Bob reboot is that you know, these are just kind of stoner, essentially stoner comedies. So it's not a regression. He's just playing to what he thinks that little part of his view askew universe is but you don't think that he's striving for some kind of poignancy in it i think if he was striving for poignancy he would probably strive to do something more original than keep going back to view askew hmm. well, i don't know his most poignant film arguably from his perspective is clerks too which is true but 
look at every other movie he branched out to try and make, which was kind of nothing. Nothing was ever that great. Afterwards, Cop Out. I love Cop uh, Z- Out. That you are definitely in the minority of that one. Halfway uh, through that movie on opening night, I went to the midnight screening. Halfway through, I walked out not because it was bad, but because I loved it so much. I didn't want to see it without my father. And I actually drove from Tallahassee to Jacksonville the next morning so that I could go see it with my father. That's a beautiful story. It's a true story. It's a good story. Unfortunately, I just I can't <laughs> give that say that's a good movie. What uh, Red State? Red State's fine, you know, but it's not as smart or as interesting uh, as some of the as some of his, uh, his other movies. The first half is as soon as John Goodman shows up, it goes to shit. I think it it proves that Kevin Smith should write what he knows, which is horny teenagers and religion. By the time you get to the cop stuff, it's like, yeah, you've seen a bunch of Law and Order. I get it. Yeah, but you know what? If he does some original characters, you know, take out the Jay and Silent Bob stuff, maybe lean more towards Jersey Girl because that had none of that stuff, and he'd be he would be doing better. I just again, I don't think that he's interested in making movies anymore, and that's okay. He doesn't have to. I, yeah, I think um, you know, just to, to one last point on this, I think it just kind of speaks to how half baked the idea is. Uh, like anything r- related to the story of this movie, I think they just wanted to make a Jane Silent Bob movie. And then along the way, maybe had the idea, oh, what if he has a kid? And oh, what if this? And oh, what if that? And they just didn't really spend enough time really kind of coming up with what that would mean and why it would be. And and so they just end up with just, uh, you know, I don't know, just let's let's make you funny and, and kind of, you know, mean to Jay all the time. And that's kind of the extent of the character until she starts to grow a little bit towards the end. So you're going to yell for the first half and cry for the second half. Reboot. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, yeah. I don't know if they had the, uh, I don't, the Q&A or whatever it was beforehand where they give a speech and kind of talk about the genesis of the movie, where basically Kevin Smith says that there are moments of this movie that were taken from the original Clerks 3 script and uh, Mallrats 2. I think that's a big problem because it does seem like there are so many different ideas taken probably from those scripts that mm. he just kind of filled in the blanks uh, afterwards. I'm not going to lie. I, uh, when I was working on Hollow Ian, um, I told him, I was like, yo, I got an idea for Clerks 3. What if Veronica pops back up? Dante hasn't seen her in over 20 years. And she's like, yo, I'm fu- I, I had a kid and it's your kid and this is your kid. And the kid's like a real piece of shit. Like he's an asshole. But like Dante has to give him a job because he's his kid. So he's like the new clerk. But then like as the movie goes on, Dante starts to suspect that what if the kid is Randall's actually? And like maybe, the, you know, I pitched that idea to him. Just just saying. What about the dead guy in the bathroom? How could it have not been his kid? Caitlin. Uh, Caitlin. Oh, Veronica. Sorry. Yeah. Caitlin, yeah. Bray, and Veronica. Sorry. Yeah. Forgot about that. <laughs> Just saying. I pitched that to him. You know? I, I love it. I love that Joe got this movie made. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's really cool is um, I got to shoot with him at a, uh, uh, at a convenience store on that movie. And he came up to me uh, afterward. Um, and uh, at the snack table, he said, hey, you were just a clerk in a Kevin Smith movie. And then he walked away and I was like, fuck. Hey, that's pretty sweet. That's pretty fucking sweet. Now, I do have to ask uh, before we uh, did anybody else find that Operation Predator editor was hilarious? Oh, the the how she steals the van. Yes. Eh, not really. I, yeah. I thought it was hilarious. I liked I've, the, already, the, I've in, already forgotten it. Yeah, I liked in the end credits when he was like, turned out he actually wasn't a predator. He was just doing that to save her. Like, that was funny. I was like, why isn't that in the movie? And then oh, Jay the, the little the deleted scene. Yeah. 
That would see that's funny. Like where the know. two kids that were outside of clerks too are actually in the marijuana business now. That was that was too. that was pretty good. Two hundred bucks, <laughs> man. Put that shit in my hand. Yeah, that was pretty good. For me, the funniest uh, joke in the whole movie is where Jay says to her at the end, he's like, "Yeah, we put gum in the locks every night to piss them off." I was like, "That's really good." <laughs> that actually yeah, got the, the biggest laugh. <laughs> that, that for my that my time. screening too. My screening too. Yeah, it's the best joke in the movie. It's you know <laughs> he still got it. He just doesn't. He's not interested in. It. That's what that proved. <laughs> Well, uh, I'm going to go with another puzzle piece, and uh, we will continue on with this. Um, and Kevin Smith was even saying it himself. I saw it in some interview thing, but uh, The Force Awakens, uh, which, of course, you know, sequel, reboot, you know, he called it a requel at one point, um, you know, kind of blurring the lines and bringing back characters and continuing the story, but it's also kind of doing what the old one did over again uh, for a new generation. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a pretty clear cut inspiration, especially for, you know, someone like Kevin Smith. I guess we could go back and also throw in the rebuquel of Halloween. Even <laughs> sure, though, even though we probably shouldn't bring this up again. <laughs> yeah, let's not. <laughs> I'm trying to think of any <laughs> reboot that has really worked. You know what I mean? Um, I know that for me, I, I kind of feel like the one that really started this trend on this scale, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm forgetting one, is Tron Legacy. Mm. But I, I liked Tron Legacy. And what's an interesting thing about Tron, though, is that Tron, while a cult hit, was not a very successful movie, not a popular movie. You know what I mean? Right. More people knew about it than liked it. So I felt like there was room for a reboot to like, you know, but like it's it's a tough order when you're trying to reboot something that people already love. You know? And it's still so hard to define. I mean, even with that great, you know, definition they try to, you know, throw out there in this movie, um, it's still I think most people just, you know, have no idea how to fully define the difference. Well, what does it say that we're still doing this shit where like when it's a sequel, time for a sequel, especially after a few years, we throw a kid in the mix. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I know that everybody's talking about the new Ghostbusters movie and how stoked they are. I'm like, doesn't it just sound awful? Like, kid it Ghostbusters? Does sound what awful. the fuck? Uh, it, you know? does, it does sound terrible, but you know what? I will give uh, Jason Reitman the benefit of the doubt because almost I all of his movies have been great. Whoa. Yeah, I agree. Interesting statement. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for smoking is is brilliant. I, I I'm a I'm a big fan of I, I actually <laughs> I hate that I keep name dropping. I I I, I know him a, a little bit, but I, I I last time I saw him at a grocery store, I was like, yeah, I, I really appreciate what you do. Like, um, because he's trying, and I like where his perspective is, and um, I just don't think that he's ever hit a home run. I loved Labor Day, and I loved Men, Women, and Children, um, but I at least appreciate the kinds of movies he's making that he wants to make. Mm. Um, for sure. And I think he's a great choice to direct the Ghostbusters sequel for many reasons, some of them very obvious. But again, just throwing a kid in the mix has always been a negative. Like, yeah, oh man, remember how good The Mummy Returns was because there was a kid? Oh wait, you know what I mean? <laughs> to be fair, none of those Mummy movies were very good. <gasps> oh, the first one's great. Come oh, on. Scorpion King is great. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like all three of them. I don't give a shit. They're fine. They're 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 watchable. <sighs> You know, I, it's not I, as bad as Tom Cruise's abomination, but very few things are. I, I, I just can't wait till Matrix 4 comes out next year and it's Neo and Trinity's kid. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's probably what's going to happen, too. Don't don't curse it. Like, I, I regret saying it out loud. I, <laughs> yeah. But, but technically, you, is you've willed it into existence. Sequel? I mean, what's the line anymore? Because technically, Jane, Silent Bob isn't really a reboot. It's technically a sequel. I'll be amazed if the movie isn't called Matrix Reboot. 
because like the matrix itself has to reboot after it, you know, like after the one, like, so fuck, like, Oh, I love those. Wait, movies. wait, wait. Matrix rebooted. <laughs> there you go. That, we're, it, it actually oh works with Matrix Reloaded, Matrix Revolutions, Matrix Rebooted. Oh my God. I just want You heard it here first. <laughs> Please don't listen. <laughs> don't take these ideas. These are bad ideas. Um, I actually really love the Matrix sequels very much. So uh, I'm already offended by the fact that they're coming back. You know what I mean? It's just like, no, it ended so perfectly. <sighs> they just have to, though. They, they can't help themselves. Uh, but Adam, what do you got for your next one? I will use, uh, since I'd mentioned it earlier, Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke. <laughs> you know what? It's that whole subgenre of just uh, stoner buddy comedies. Sure. You could use Cheech and Chong. Uh, you know what? Uh, you could use uh, How High, Red Man, and Method Man, since that was already referenced in the movie. <laughs> you know what? I'll just go with Cheech and Chong because they were the first. When he says that that's his favorite movie of all time, How High, and they're like, How High, the movie we're in? Um, it, rem- yeah. <laughs> it reminded me, they hosted like one of those MTV award shows or something. And um, they, I remember this. They asked P. Diddy, like, as he was walking down the red carpet, they're like, What's your favorite movie of all time? And he was like, Scarface. And then fucking uh, Method, a red man turns to the camera and goes, Motherfucker should have said, How High. <laughs> <laughs> that rolls. You know, I, I wondered I wondered going into this movie whether or not my uh, sense of humor would have changed too much at this point to appreciate it. And I still found myself cracking up through the, you know, the screening of the the original and this one at all the dumb shit. And so I guess I just, you know, I'm always going to love dumb stoner movies. Even in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back with all of its throwbacks and callbacks, it still created its own new moments like and lines like you were saying. And it actually has big set pieces. This sure. one, what's the biggest set piece we get? Fucking Kevin Smith accidentally eggplants a, a movie employee. The, you know, Fred, whatever his name is, tater tots him mm-hmm. in a drive through. Like, what? Like, what is this? You, you know? It's fucking around. That. What's that great <laughs> in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back when he, um, when Silent Bob gets stuck in the, in the manhole and then he yanks him through and he goes, just like Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> you know what? I but I I will always think of the uh, of Silent Bob. You know, typing on his phone, and it's just like one random emoji. Like that's like that. I thought was hilarious, and that I'll actually. I think remember that, that yeah, that it's funny, but like again, it's just so poorly edited that like it's like cut, 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 cut. Then the reveal. It is a funny pr- joke and premise, and I'm sure that eggplant gag on paper was brilliant. You know, it just his lack of. Like I could, I, if you told me that they did no pre-production on this movie, I'd believe you. That's what, that's what I'm saying. It seems like they just wanted to get on set and make a movie and like bring back all these characters and that's it. And they didn't have much planned ahead of time. Great. Then make clerks again. Like, I'm not even joking. (laughs) Make clerks three instead of Jane sound Bob reboot, because it's such a big fucking movie that you need to plan things like this out. Clerks, you know what I mean? Like it's small, it's contained and it's a formula that has proven true twice. Mm. And and you know why couldn't she have been Dante's daughter? That's such a better idea. Uh, I think we have to uh, blame um, what's his face who plays uh, Randall Graves because he's the one who turned down uh, Clerks Three originally. But don't worry, you're getting your wish. They are going to make Clerks Three now. He turned it down because the script sucked. I am in such support of him, and I just like I was with Bill Murray. If you guys have ever read the Ghostbusters Three script that he you know famously ripped in half and mailed back to them, right. it is so yeah. shockingly. I've read it. 
and it is so shockingly and offensively bad and not just bad, but insulting to Bill Murray. The whole script was very bitter toward Bankman, the character, but really obviously Bill Murray. And I'm so sick of people giving him shit. It's like, no, they gave him shit. And he said, I refuse. In Bill Murray's defense, there's no reason to do Ghostbusters 20 years later. If you're going to do it five years after Ghostbusters 2, that's fine. Ten years after Ghostbusters 2, fine. Nobody needs to do sequels 20 years later like that. I think a Ghostbusters show makes more sense. That's not even, none of them are in it. And like Ghostbusters have just become a thing and it's in every small town. Make another like blue collar, you know, urban, like keep it blue collar, keep it urban, but you know, move it to fucking Chicago or Texas or whatever. You know what I mean? And, and no, and no kids, no Sigourney Weaver kids, no kids, <laughs> and no like, more kids. Well, Joe, you said that you're you're out of pieces now. Yeah. Okay. I, I feel like I, I I feel bad. I feel like we uh, you know it turned the puzzle piece show into just like a you know. And that's what that's what happens when we have course. these three person episodes. They they always go in all kinds of directions. Me, uh, we we did it with uh, with Chad and Ryan, and those always go all over the place, and these go all over the place, but they're fun, you know. Um, but I, I only have one more and then we'll see if Adam has any more. Uh, and, and that it's kind of like, you know, a puzzle piece bucket. It's, uh, it's Judd Apatow films, especially, uh, like this is 40 and knocked up uh, and super bad, but these ones that have to deal with growing up and friendships, you know, going what direction they're going to go and how they're going to change as they, uh, as, as these people get older. And, uh, I, you know, I think in a lot of ways, of course, the Judd, Ap- the rate, the rise of Judd Apatow as a director, um, and really as a major producer came after anyway. So I'm sure he was inspired by a lot of what Kevin Smith was already doing, um, himself, but you know, his stuff became so hugely popular and then went ahead and inspired a lot of what Kevin Smith's been doing over the years when he's actually sticking to movies with characters and stories and not just the weird shit. Yeah. Apatow changed the comedy landscape. I can remember when Clerks 2 came out in every advertisement, they were using that critical blip where it said the funniest movie since the 40 year old version. Right. Um, yeah. I remember, well, uh, I remember even <laughs> then thinking like, that doesn't sound like a good idea. Cause I know Kevin Smith's style. And if you go expecting a 40 year old version, you're going to be disappointed. Mm hmm. But Kevin Smith's a little bit more in your face, whereas uh, Apatow's a little more subtle. Well, Kevin Smith is also more structured. Like, that's the thing. Like, Kevin Smith was a classically, you know, like, he he wrote kind of classically. Like, there's a structure to his scenes, to his comedy, if not to the overall narrative, at least to the scenes themselves, the way they're constructed. You know what I mean? They weren't loosey-goosey, and you, you know what I mean? Yeah, they were, yeah. They were clear-cut scenes, and... um it was fascinating to see Seth Rogen in Kevin Smith's film because it was, it, that was kind of a test in a way of Seth Rogen to see if he's just Seth Rogen or if he can act, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, while it's a similar character type, that kind of comedy is a totally different beast. And I thought he did, did really great. You guys didn't mention that one uh, while we've been talking about all the other movies along the way. Do you guys like Zach and Mary? It's got some good parts to it. I probably like the first half more than I do the second half. I think it's a great idea with great characters, with great performances and great dynamics. But I think that the movie like is actually pretty stupid, but the likability of the idea, the characters, their dynamics and the performances, the actors playing them make it a really good movie. Hmm. If that makes sense. Like the actual movie is really dumb, like beyond dumb, like even with them <laughs> having an, a, a fucking oil drum on fire in their house with no smoke. Like that's stupid, but like, <laughs> but Th- that scene you love it so much because those two characters and those performances and their chemistry is just so wonderful mm. yeah i liked it a lot back when it came out i haven't seen it since then though um 
But uh, yeah, why don't we uh, move on? Adam, do you have any uh, other pieces? I do. Uh, I was going to use Ted 2 pretty much just for the end, but instead <laughs> I will go with T2 train spotting. When you think of a movie about characters looking back on their past and looking forward to the future, uh, you know, I find that very similar with this. Also, how you were talking about Judd Apatow movies where people are taught thinking about their past and how they're growing and growing up and what to do towards the future. Very mm. similar in tone with that. Although without drug addicts. I never saw it. Is there a <laughs> well, kid in that one? Uh, no, there's a kid in the first train spotting, but that kid died. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I was just thinking when you said T2, I thought you were going to say Terminator 2. And I was like, yet another fucking kind of reboot with a goddamn kid that sucks. You know. Ooh. Kids just suck, basically. Except for that day. Wait, wait. Are we talking, he never are got we a talking about T2? We talking about T two sucking? Or are you talking about the the newest Terminator uh, reboot that does have a kid in it? I'm talking about also. Not, first of all, just for the record, no, I don't like Terminator two. But when I said <gasps> sucked, I wasn't talking about Terminator two, the movie. I was talking about the character John Connor. Right. I figured that's right. what you were talking about. Which, which he, I mean, I love Terminator two, but I could totally see where you would, you know, call him a shitty kid. You know. I just want to break down those two Terminator movies. I think when you break it down into pieces, who's a more compelling lead, Sarah Connor or John Connor, right? Definitely Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor. And like, mm-hmm. also like as just a character, who's a more interesting character to follow as like the sidekick backup that, you know, Arnold is the Terminator or Kyle Reese. There's an actual dynamic between Kyle Reese, you know, there's a character there. So for me, Kyle Reese, you know, um, and again, as far as structure is concerned, one of them is tight and to the point and really interesting and, and compartmentalized. The other one is like long winded and goofy and overblown to me well uh adam do you do you have any others left no okay. uh unless we want to just uh, strip mine uh, every kevin smith movie because <laughs> it's just an influence well maybe we'll do a little bit of that in the uh in in the closing thoughts but why don't we do the uh finished puzzle and then we'll get into any last thoughts we have on this movie um we talked about Wee's big adventure oh brother where art thou jay and silent bob strike back scream four Snake Eyes, Deadpool, Dumb and Dumber 2, Creed, The Force Awakens, Cheech and and Chong's Up in Smoke, uh, Judd Apatow movies, and T2 Train Spotting. Um, This has been a a wild, branching conversation of movies to talk about. That uh, list, I expected no less. That list of puzzle pieces is more funny interesting exciting and thoughtful than the entirety of jay and silent bob reboot (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i mean i'm trying to decide if i like this movie more or less after talking about i think i'm kind of leaning towards less but but i did have fun with it and i i just i i did laugh a lot and i like i said when watching it was my first time seeing uh strikes back in God, like a decade, I'd say. And it really did hold up for me. And I was kind of a little bit surprised. I just thought I was going to be like, uh, this is just too dumb for me. And I, I ended up loving that. And, and for the most part, I, I laughed quite a bit through this one as well. I went in with such low expectations for this movie right. that, right. you know what, if I could be entertained for 90 minutes, I'll probably be happy. And I was more or less entertained for 90 minutes and i thought the ending was towards the end it got very sweet but yes Mm. it's it's a stupid it's it's a stupid stoner movie to just you know kick back and enjoy i feel like this whole movie was the scooby-doo scene from the last one 
um, just spread out for a full movie. Like, you know, just like dumb little silly idea. You and know, I'm pretty but... sure we could have edited out the whole courtroom scene because none of that really worked except for Justin Long. <laughs> the the part where he walks from the one to the next was funny. In that scene where he walks from their desk. Yeah. You know, nothing worked in the movie. Honestly, like nothing worked beyond. Oh, that's a funny idea to me, at least. I, right. I don't know, man. Like Brody's monologue. It's and okay. his love for the Marvel movies. I mean, it was it was like the the speech in the other movie, but still funny. See, I, I my favorite part of the Brody scene was his mention of the squeakquel. Um, yes, <laughs> <laughs> not everybody got that, but that was funny. Well, what's really funny is that that's the only one that he. I mean, he's in it for like two minutes. He's not in that one. He um, they gave it to that kid who played Chuck. He took over for Dave in that one because Dave like gets injured. Um, I'm a big fan of those Chipmunk movies. I like them a lot. Um, uh, was Jason Lee at all in what was a cruise chip? Yeah, uh, uh, chipwrecked. Nice try. Chipwrecked. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, he's so chip, so chippery over there. Well, no, he's, he's a major component of all, uh, of all three of the others. He's like a main character in that one though. He just isn't. It's funny. My brother and I saw that opening day. The first one, we loved it. The next, when the next one came out, we saw it opening day and I hated it so much. I didn't see the third one. And then when the fourth one was coming out, my friend wanted to go see it. And I was like, all right, I guess I got to catch up. So I watched the third one and I was like, ah, saga saved. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wait, there's four of them. Hell yeah. Oh, my road God. Wow. That's amazing. Speaking of, you know, uh, things that worked with this movie, um, you know, this is the, the second movie in a row that the three of us are doing together on the show that had like an irregular release with three from hell getting the fathom events thing doing so well. Then they added another one. Uh, and then this getting the fathom events and then this whole road show thing. I mean, do you think that this is going to, we're going to see this more often? I hope not only because look right now, everybody's struggling to find what is the solution to right. theaters versus streaming to big bl- budget blockbusters versus, you know, more quote unquote, personal movies, whatever. Um, this and three from hell have both been wildly successful, but why? Because you're literally dealing with people who mm-hmm. have a niche fan base, right? Like, you know what I mean? Rob zombie is very popular. Kevin Smith is very popular, at least popular enough to draw in $10 yeah. million. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, I don't think that this model will work, um, in a way that will help the industry. So I don't want right. to see them focusing too much on it. Cause like, then it becomes, how do you become one of these people? Like, oh, what's the portal to becoming a person like that? Either you get famous on the internet, which I don't think that you can really learn the language of cinema making content for um, the internet. Um, and all, or you have to like, you know, make a, an action, a big, you know, blockbuster movie, which also there's so many moving pieces to that. If you're a filmmaker, it's really hard to like learn how to make mm-hmm. films on a set like that. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I hope not. Um, I know that like the other problem right now is movies like the Irishman, you know what I mean? Where everyone's like, I remember that article that is like, it's too good for Netflix. Uh, uh, just uh, for the record, saw it last night. It's not too good for Netflix. <laughs> Most Netflix but, movies um, aren't too good for Netflix. This, <laughs> but nah, you know, like I, I don't know that I agree with that. I, I think that there I'm have a been a handful of, well, I think that there've been a handful of really excellent. I mean, Dolomite is my name is undeniably one of the I loved it not only one of the best movies of the year, but one of the most audience friendly, you know, communal, it's very communal. Totally agree. You know what I mean? That's a movie for the theater. Um, so I, I just don't want to see this. Like, I don't want to see people test this out as a solution because to me, it's not a solution. You have to already be established. And, you know, 
if this is a way for the greats that we've admired in our generation to kind of fizzle out, I'm not interested in seeing that either. Mm. I don't feel that this is a solution, but for certain directors that do have a niche audience, uh, that isn't going to draw in, you know, the Marvel star Wars types of audiences, you know what, instead of it going straight to streaming, it's nice. The fact that you go out for one night only or two nights and go see the new movie by this director that, you know, has a small audience and you know that you're pretty much just surrounded by the fans. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely appreciate, you know, how much I complain about movies going straight to streaming. And if, if it's something I want to see, I'll take a one night event, you know, if that's what it's going to take. Um, I am jaded living in LA. Yeah. You get to see it all. Um, you know, and what, one other thing on, on like a practical level, uh, I don't like this whole uh, strategy because I can't use my AMC a list or a regal unlimited for it. They, 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 right, they make, fuckers. they make, yeah, they make it not, uh, eligible because it's special. They event. That new Kanye movie coming out on yep, Friday. Yep, I had to I'm, pay for that shit. Yeah, $20. I mean, I'll gladly pay it, but damn it. Kanye needs my money, and I'm very okay with that. Why, he's got to pay for another butt implant or a butt lift for uh, Kim? <laughs> if that's what it takes for him to live a life of comfort to keep creating the things that he's creating, then by all means, I will gladly give him my $20 we in gotta exchange make him happy. for more content. <laughs> Well, I think that about does it for uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I think that about does it for Joe Black's career. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I think I've got what I need for my little tape that I'm going to make right now. Um, you know, oh, sp- speaking of having Joe say things, uh, you know, I don't know uh, for sure when the next time I'm going to have you on the podcast is, Joe. And I just made a joke in our Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces group about asking any directors I have on the show what they think about uh, whether or not Marvel movies are cinema, since that seems to be the thing that every piece of media has to ask a director. What is cinema? And so I'm going to ask you, is, is Marvel cinema? Um, well, cinema. Uh, I like the use of the word cinema. No. I think that, um, I think that Marvel is... Um, <laughs> I think that Marvel, you could argue Marvel is movies. Mm-hmm. Like, they are movies, that's for sure. But um, I, I, my big problem, I I've said this before. Um, I don't think I've said it on the podcast, but I've said it before that to me, what happened about 40 years ago when Spielberg really like took, took hold of the industry, Spielberg style movies and Lucas, George Lucas movies used to be made for adults and kids could go see them too. Mm -hmm. And, and that language has changed. And now every movie is made for kids and adults can see them too. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the real problem. I think that, um, you know, like our summer horror blockbuster movies are insidious movies when they used to be, you know, I, I even give Jaws, you know what I mean? Um, movies are, are, are all aimed at young people these days. And the industry is focused on keeping people young because it's they love it when they can sell an action figure to a 45-year-old. <laughs> right. Um and uh, so they want to keep us thinking young. They want to keep us pacified. And so they're going to make things like that because it's in their best interest. So are Marvel movies cinema? No. Are Marvel movies movies? Absolutely. A lot of hard work goes into them and a lot of thought goes into them. 
but I think a lot of thought goes more into the mechanics of them. And I think what's what Scorsese is talking about, what cinema is, is the reason why you're making something, mm-hmm. the purpose in what you're doing. And when you come at a movie from that perspective, I think that's kind of what steers it in that direction that we call cinema. Um, so, yes, I agree that Marvel movies are not cinema, but I do think that they are valid um, because they are movies. And some of them are great. But I agree. Yeah, I agree. Like, They're not cinema. I, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I feel that this is a bit of a it's a silly conversation because, you know what, there is a place in this world for both. There's a Absolutely. place in this world for the the thinking man's film or cinema. And you know what? There is a place for the escapist uh, entertainment or comic book movies. But the problem that Scorsese is addressing is that there's not room anymore. Right. Like physically, there's not room anymore. And, 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 but like, but also in dealing with those extremes, the quote unquote, what you said, thinking man's movie versus escapists. Um, I don't believe in escapist cinema. I don't think that's a real thing. I think that when we, we, that's another trigger word that we've been, uh, uh, that they've put in our polluted in our brains. We don't go to anything to escape. We go to something to have an experience. Um, it's not escaping. It's literally engaging in a way that we're not engaging with normally. That's not escape. That's, that's an active thing. But, um, to say like a quote unquote thinking man's movie, I mean, God, look at something like Gangs of New York. Look at The Aviator. Look at uh, Hugo. Um, Scors- these are Scorsese movies. These aren't thinking man movies. These are crowd pleasers. These are epics. These are comic books. These are, you know what I mean? They're not, they're not what we think of as thinking man cinema, but they're made by somebody who is thinking. I feel like artists especially should be the thinkers. Like that's the point. Mm. They've thought about this and they've thought about it in abs- and they and they've created abstract perspective to better explain their thought you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and uh and 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 the problem is that there physically is not room for both right now both in the industry and literally in people's schedule during the day to put on your shoes drive to amc and watch the fucking movie and you got to compete with tv now with how you know amazing tv has become okay i'll well, only accept that because righteous gemstones is so good that's right absolutely but no and I, and I agree i don't watch that much tv but i just know that that's the the general consensus i mean original pro programming on hbo has been strong has been strong for 30 years sure sure um yes do i think with the streaming services there's way more content than there was before absolutely but you know what you you have your people that want to see this movie, you know, a Marvel movie. You have your your people who want to see The Irishman or the new Scorsese. You know what? Not everybody loves Scorsese movies. It, you know sure. what? It's it's a thing. Not everybody thinks he's the greatest thing uh, since sli- since sliced bread. And Francis Ford Coppola, the most recent person to throw his hat into the mix, you know, hasn't really made a good movie in in a, in a while. Right, right. No, no, no. Here's the thing. It's not about whether or not. Um what they do is a great film in the end. You know, you talk about television being like this, they've been creating good content for the last 30 years on HBO. So check this out. Um, I write a lot of movies and, and, and a lot of people tell me that my movies would work as plays, you know, or they see my movies and like that would work as a play. Cause you've got these long scenes, with a lot of dialogue. Here's the thing, the language of a play and it's, uh, and it's association to the audience is completely different than a, than a movie. So like same thing with television, like people love television, right? But the level of commitment and the and the actual type of interaction that an audience is having with television is totally different than the experience that you have going to a movie theater. And I don't mean like, oh, sense of community, blah, blah, blah. I literally mean like the way that you make a film 
is totally different mm. than the way that television is made. And uh, and and no offense to audiences, it's not their job to understand the differences. And no offense to audiences, it's not their job to quote unquote know what they want. Um, it's the filmmaker's job to create something that is accessible and appealing. Um, and they're going to fail. I mean, you know, Scorsese, I think he's one of the greatest living directors, if not the greatest, but I didn't like the Irishman at all. You know what I mean? I hated Wolf of Wall Street, you know, but, but that's not the, I, the problem is that they're letting audiences dictate. And I don't think that that's, um, I, it's obviously great for people who want to make money. Um, and I don't even necessarily mean that as a negative, but that's not great for artists. That's not great for creators. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you were going to allow the masses masses to dictate, you know, your your blockbuster, you know, that unfortunately is the choice of. I'm probably going to aim at Disney because it's usually one of their movies from their five studios that they own. Uh, so, you know, but the people who are still making movies for adults, uh, whether it be Scorsese, uh, whether it be Steven Soderbergh, I mean, they're still doing what they want to do, and their audience is still there. That's, that's but they're the, but they're dying off. Who are the new people? Who are the new people that are making these kinds of movies that are are achieving the same level as the kinds of things that Scorsese was able to? Scorsese is able to do what he does because of the success of a movie like Taxi Driver. And I think it was actually Dave, uh, uh, Noah Baumbach um, and uh, Wes Anderson who said, "Think about it. Taxi Driver would be a Netflix movie these days at mm -hmm. best." You know what I mean? Like it really would because those kinds of movies aren't getting made and released and distributed on that level anymore. I'd be complaining like crazy that I couldn't see it or that it may be open for one weekend if I was lucky. Yeah. And, and but again, the gosh, you know, like you look at any Western, there's a reason why Westerns died off and Westerns died off because television took over and people weren't going to the movies as much. And a Western doesn't work on TV. It doesn't like like the language of a Western and not just the vast, beautiful shots of like the old West, but the way that like you have to film a close up, the way that you have to stage two men standing apart from each other. You have to feel that distance for it to resonate in the way that it resonate that, it, that it's meant to. So, again, these are the things that audiences aren't thinking about and movie theaters aren't going to think about it because why does a movie theater exist? Movie theater exists because somebody had the idea to open a movie theater to make money. So the person who created AMC their whole thing is about making money through this medium. So they're only focused on keeping their jobs. And that's a good thing. And especially when they have thousands of theaters or hundreds of theaters, now they have to maintain the jobs of thousands of people. So that's what they're focused on. So I don't fault movie theaters for mm -hmm. it. I don't really fault anybody for it. Like that, that's, that's the silly thing. Like this blame game that people are trying to play. That's not, I don't think that that's helpful. I think that it needs to fall on the fucking creators who, when they get to make a fucking Marvel movie, that every single time without fail, they make a fucking Winter Soldier. That they think about why it is what it is. You know what I mean? And focus on that. And focus on helping people. The only people I think are to blame are the creators because the directors are smarter when it comes to creating something than the fucking studio. That's just the truth of it because it's their job. Interesting. So filmmakers need to step up. Not theaters, not streaming services, not the fucking movie industry. Filmmakers need to step up. You know, George Carlin, who I, I'm a fan of him as an actor, not necessarily a fan of him as a comedian, but he very famously said that uh, the more people that follow something, the more that's probably wrong with it. <laughs> um, and I feel like that's kind of a negative, uh, like almost too negative for my taste. But the, the idea behind that is very true. Um, I, I find that to be very, very true. And I think that the easier something is to consume, 
the more that people will gravitate toward it because life is so hard. And yes, an audience's job is not to support the artistic endeavors of an artist. Like that's not, that's not people's job in life, you know? And yes, most people do go to a movie with the thought of, oh, I'm going to get away from the real world for an hour and a half. But in that hour and a half, not only do you as a filmmaker have the opportunity to present them with something that they could never experience in their life, but you have a chance to communicate with them, impart something to them, an idea at the very least, not an answer, but a solution of how they could live their life better and how things could be better for others. You know, and the fact that you're getting to speak to 20 million people all at the same time and you don't use that opportunity to actually say anything, to me, that's loony. So did did Kevin Smith do that with Jay and Silent Bob Strike uh, reboot? <laughs> Not with reboot, but God damn it if he didn't do that with Clerks. God damn it if he didn't do that with Chasing Amy, even though I don't think that movie's very good. But Dogma, uh, 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 Jersey Girl, like he actually, he does do that kind of stuff. He can do that kind of stuff and he can do it in a way that is accessible, that is entertaining, that doesn't weigh down on a person's mind, that doesn't make them quote unquote think about it for days and days and days. He can do that. So for me to see a filmmaker like that become completely disinterested with making movies like that, well, fuck, that sucks. Mm. But, you know, this movie, at the very least, what I can say is a positive is it showed those little bursts of his ability to do that. And that's the first time I've and I and that's totally missing from the last couple of his movies, as much as I love Tusk. So the fact that he did that, I'm really happy for. But like, it's more heartbreaking because he didn't. He enjoyed it instead of working. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm so sorry about that. Um, even if you don't put that part in the podcast, I, uh, I'd like to hear that back, you know, somehow because I, it helps me. I, I literally just like blacked out yeah. for the last eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but Will Ferrell in old school it. is like, what just what happened? Just happened? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> hey, I'm Josh Bell. I'm Jason Harris. Hey, Josh, we're friends in real life, but we're also co-hosts on this new podcast called Awesome Movie Year, where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies and do a deep dive looking at movies, including the best picture winner, the biggest movie at the box office, future cult classics, and more. Including the biggest flop. And this season, we're doing 1994. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. That could be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. We're all over the web as well. at Awesome Movie Year on all the socials and awesomemovieyear.com. So please like us, subscribe, and uh, if you do like us, give us a five-star rating because we love you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. Definitely go seek it out and uh, make sure you watch it if you haven't yet. Uh, we didn't really get too bad into spoilers. A couple here and there, but, you know, we always get into spoilers. It don't matter on this show. But uh, I want to thank Joe Black and Adam Wells for joining me. We had some great stories in there. We definitely went on some tangents. Um, and actually, if you stick around after the end of the show, there's one more roughly five-minute long tangent that I'm going to include. Uh, I, I cut out quite a bit just to keep things... Um, God, we're over an hour, which is already a long episode, but uh, I wanted to keep it, you know, somewhat on point with talking about Jay and Silent Bob. So uh, I did cut out quite a bit of little tangents and going in all different directions, but there is a little, a little segment on Terminator and action movies that I wanted to keep in here. So it's coming up after the song that we play. But before we get to that, I want to remind you, make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. 
Follow us on social media at Piecing Pod. Join the Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. You can support us on Patreon, which is where this episode will be uh, until the movie comes out on VOD, which is when we're going to release this episode, most likely. And, uh, yeah, you know, so that means that you are a Patreon subscriber if you're hearing this any time in the month of uh, October or November. But if it's after that, then maybe you're hearing it as a regular episode. I don't know. We'll figure out when to put this thing up. Who knows? I want to thank you all for the support, though. Um, this has been an incredible month of growth here at Piecing It Together. We have had so many new listeners and so many new co-hosts on the show. I mean, this is the second time having Joe and Adam on together, but we've had so many new people on the show lately, and it's just so cool having all these new people on. I do want to thank them all so much, and thank you for listening. So let's leave you with a piece of music like we always do. I wanted to find something, uh, you know, kind of stonerish to go with Jay and Silent Bob. And there's a rap group that I actually used to produce a long time ago here in Las Vegas called Cumeca and Tragic. And they had a song called Smoke It Up. And, you know, to fit with the whole, you know, Afro man because I got high, that kind of a vibe, uh, I figured I'd play this track for you guys. So this is from a long time ago, like uh, like 15 years or something like that, but it's called Smoke It Up and enjoy it. And it has never been released. I don't know if this stuff will ever get released, but sitting on my computer along with about 20 other tracks from this group. So maybe we'll put it out one of these days, but uh, enjoy it. And we'll be back next week with more Piecing It Together. And we Weed at, roll that up. I got that shit right here, huh? Roll that shit up. Damn, man. Y'all niggas got me smoking on this drum. Y'all niggas got me eyes on my niggas face. Y'all niggas get this weed, huh? Y'all niggas get this weed, huh? Y'all must have this shit, huh? Niggas, niggas so blow, shit. I know I feel like Joe Cat on the mic if I got on some of this. I'm coming up six months or something. Dang, nigga. I'm feeling it's a super weed, got a nigga rapping at a super speed Don't have it fired up With that flame shit, maintain it, the brain got it And we just gon' tie it up Got them holes in the back, roll the drawers, they'll be back Get a crack of light, hit it from the back Then we just gon' light it up, that lime stuff GQ got the G-Sack, we can go in and cheat that But it's weed back, if you hit that, really teeth back You can fill it in your caps Damn, man, it must be that drug Got the box full of Optimo, we gon' stop and blow Get hip and the proper hoes, two hit, don't stop the flow Don't stop the go, you get killed, so watch them hoes After that, then we bail, dog, we be the best thing What I tell y'all, get a nigga blow shit, go in one day and a nigga that can roll with the mob Catch me holding a Glock So I hold not when the Glock turn for the Glock turn Shots even hella holding your shots on my phone When I'm not, if I'm not, let me find out Eyes red with a nine now My shot tip is mine now Put the bullet deep in his gut tip is time line out Am I high now? Damn, they had you on that super weed, tragic We just pulled as a farm boys Who smoke like this Ain't no nigga in the world, boy Show like this If you got it back, then roll it up Smoking, token and token, blessing mics that's open. Up in the studio, get so hot. Refer to us as the dope man. Nigga, we hoping to get some more, man. Kinda give a nigga suntan. Ray Ban on my eyes, don't never wanna come down Damn, from a dreamland. Whole room for the steam, man. That's how it's seen, man. When you hot box with the weed, man. Never fuck with my seeds, man. This cat to the left, me screaming. About to hit him in his head like Bully Bean, man. We creeping, people start beeping. Mom's in the next room sleeping. Tweaking like a Mohican, so we start eating. And after that, we start beating. We just pulled as a farm boys who smoke like this Ain't no nigga in the world, boy, show like this If you got it back, then roll it up I'm trying to get close to my friends, don't hold it up Smoke it up We just pulled as a farm boys
What the weed at? Smoke until you're gone. Holes all up in your trunk with the fire to get blown. Really feel the fat. I box in the lack with two pounds of swishes sweets. Four pounds of yellow seeds. Four pounds of doja weed. In the middle of the yard, we don't need no barn to smoke along. Inhale the high mode. Wanna be alone in the back of the dirty farm. I'm just days in a circle of chronic fear. Go 12 rounds like holy field. Get everything from black and mouth to them golden seals. You can tell I'm high. From blowing this wind. Damn, nigga, can I hit your blunt? No, no, bitch, you out of your tree. We just bold as a farm boys. We smoke like this. Ain't no nigga in the world. Show it like this. I was hard to motherfucking roll it up. I'm just looking for a blast. Hold it up. Smoke it up. We just bold as a farm boys. We smoke like this. Ain't no nigga in the world. Show it like this. Since Terminator Genesis or Genesis or whatever it's called is the only one I haven't <laughs> seen and refuse to see, mm-hmm. was there a kid in it? No, but I will say that I, I, I've, for some ungodly reason, I've seen all the Terminator movies. And um, I thought that five was definitely better than four. Um, I saw it because I was working at the Chinese theater. I saw four because Mick G directed it. And I love Mick G. Wasn't a good movie at all. Then I saw five because I was working at the Chinese theater and it came out while I was working there and I just watched it while I was at work. And I was like, well, you know, it's miscast, but that's the worst I could say about it. That's also coming from somebody who doesn't give a shit about Terminator. I like Terminator <laughs> 3. There we go. Yeah, I do too. And, and I, I actually, I agree. The, uh, the most recent Terminator, I, I, I certainly like it better than Salvation. And I, I put it like pretty much right on, on par with 3. See, I actually like Salvation, not because it's a good movie, but I thought the idea was so great in concept that only a director like McGee can ruin it. See, no, 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 no. I got, oh, no, no, no. Because here's the thing. Oh, boy. The problems with that movie are not McGee's fault. The cast was forced on him. The throwbacks were forced on him. The giant Transformer-sized uh, Terminator was forced on him. Those are all studio decisions. McGee did his fucking job. Like, I'll, I'll stand up for McGee. That movie looks great. It has inventive camera work. It's, it's like, the directing is solid. But like when you're forced with Sam Worthington, when you're forced with the naked CGI Arnold throwing people around, when you're forced to do a stupid Transformer Terminator that doesn't make any sense, that's not your fault. I won't blame him for Sam Worthington because nobody could get a good performance out of Sam Worthington, but you can't get a good performance out of Christian Bale. Christian Bale was fine in the movie. And so was Anton Yelkin. All I did was talk like this the entire movie. He's in a war. He's a general. I'm I'm getting flashbacks right now. The best you thing tried I tried to kill my mother, you son of a 
like he's that's the only movie I could think of Christian Bale is like he is horrible in this movie. Yeah, I could think of a lot more, but I I do think of that rant that Christian Bale went on from the set of that that was so famous. And the best part of the whole rant when he's yelling is when he screams like Mick G, Mick G, tell the guy, and you hear Mick G in the background go, I didn't see him. <laughs> which is funny because something similar happened recently where joaquin phoenix is yelling at the uh, cinematographer during a uh shoot on the joker both really mediocre movies and i could i could see why method actors who really give a shit about what they're doing are just like you're making me do what fuck you i'm not gonna wax the joker like it was the great like it's the greatest movie of all time but i i enjoyed fair parts of it and was, i like there was some lot. good character work interesting though like uh Terminator three. That's a reboot that doesn't have kids. Okay. John Connor's older. He's but, a, he's a full grown man. He's got mustache. Yeah. But T three is really <laughs> just, except for the end is a very watered down version of T two. Mm-hmm. It's think? very watered down version. I, I just liked how like clear it was, how concise it was. And I thought that the twist at the end was really strong. And again, the Terminator movies are just so like, and I don't mean this as negative, they're dumb. You know, they're dumb ideas. Like, um, and when you make one that's two and a half fucking hours long, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, Hmm. so you get me in and out in a hundred minutes, then we're good. But like, I don't want to watch a dumb movie for two and a half hours. I (laughs) I could watch, I could watch dumb action for two and a half hours. Give me bad boys too. (laughs) There you go. Now you're talking Bay. Now you're talking my language. Yeah, so, give me give me the uh, rock. I mean, except for the Transformers movie, put on a Michael Bay movie for two hours and shit just blows up at the screen and I'm happy. Which Transformers <laughs> movie? Uh, I don't particularly like any of I mean, if I have to pick one that I do like the most, it would be three. Yes, that's the best one. Good call. I mean, yeah, I like them all except for two, but three. Yeah. Sorry, David, we're we're going out there. Oh, yeah. I, I I'm going to pick and choose what I want and keep it in the episodes. So. Oh, no. <laughs> edit, edit out Transformers conversation. Keep in new Matrix title. Keep love, in Joe singing. Yeah. Oh, fuck yes. you. <laughs> I, I love how I love how much like fuel you have to just completely take down any like uh, credibility I have as a uh, as a film <laughs> analysis or uh, analyst or, or, or critic. You know, it's just like pull up the part where he talks about how great Michael Bay is. Pull up the part where he talks about McG being a genius. Take put in the part where he talks about how shitty Terminator Two is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you no. know what? I think the problem that people don't seem to understand with Michael Bay is he he does one thing, but he does it very well. Mm, I think he makes exciting action sequences. I think the reason why people, I think a problem when it comes to how people perceive Michael Bay is that they don't appreciate why he does things the way he does things. They're just hung up. Oh, well, I was just gonna say, I I've said this before. I feel most people who talk about how bad Michael Bay is don't actually have that opinion. They just think that they're supposed to say that. Same thing with Adam Sandler. Just throwing that out there. 